0: Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Let's talk tech inside the yellow studio. Yes, it is about wisdom because our lives are surrounded by and largely dictated by technology. Hi, my name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. Coming to you from inside the yellow studio. Going to talk a little bit about the tech inside the studio. and Some challenges I have had recently, and, and maybe you do too. From cell phones to streaming TV to tablets, iPads, laptops, desktops. And then there's the tech in our cars. Okay, maybe your car. My car's so old, I don't have much tech. I do have an aux in jack. Mm -hmm. It goes into my stereo, about as high-tech. Well, you know what else I've got? I'll tell you in a minute. February the third, twenty twenty two, Thursday. Enjoy today's show because I'm not going to be here next week. Well, I'm going to be here, but I'm not going to be here in the podcast. Going to take a week off. Giving you a heads up, I, man. I've I've taken so many weeks off in the past and not said anything to anybody, but I figured I uh, figured I would warn you. And this may not be an episode that you care one thing about listening about. This is the great thing about podcasts. There's that play button, that stop button, that pause button, that fast forward button. Rather surprised, you know, the recent events of Spotify and Neil Young and Joni Mitchell pitching a wall-eyed fit because of Joe Rogan. I don't have a clue what Joe Rogan said, nor do I care, um, because I don't click play. On his podcast. I have watched some of his videos before. But uh, to tell you that I'm a regular listener, well, that would be an outright lie. I have no clue what he said. Don't care. Doesn't affect me. So Neil walks away from Spotify. Okay. Kudos if that's what you want to do. Joni Mitchell, ditto. That's fine. So we're determined that we're going to. We're going to demonize Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, he's what's wrong with the world. Well, let me tell you, the problems go a whole lot deeper than Joe Rogan. But I did post over at Instagram, and I think I posted it somewhere else too. In fact, I may have done it inside the Leaning Toward Wisdom Facebook group. If you are not a member, you should be. You can be. Just click on the Facebook link over the website, LeaningTowardWisdom.com. You know, Joe Rogan's podcast requires that you click play in order to consume it. And so if you don't want to, you don't have to. It's the great thing about the freedom to play podcasts or listen to podcasts. It's also the great thing about freedom of speech, which I'm a big fan of. I did snarkily mention that it's very easy to not click play because There are millions upon, well, there are billions of people who don't click play on any of my podcasts with great regularity. Don't seem to have any problem with it. I don't know why it's problematic to not click play on Joe Rogan, but hey, that's just me. It does kind of speak to the technology and how technology has impacted our lives. Do you use a podcast catcher app on your phone? How do you listen to this podcast? I'd be curious to know. If you care to drop me a note, you can do that. The contact page is over the website. I'd be curious. Do you have a particular podcast catching app that you use? Uh, if you are on an iPhone, do you use Apple Podcast? Do you use something else, some other app that you prefer? I'm an iPhone user. I'm an Apple user. I use Apple Podcast. I've tried overcast and some other things. I just, true confession, I don't listen to that many podcasts. So it's not like I've got just tons and tons and tons of subscriptions that I have to manage. I do catch myself watching more YouTube than listening to podcasts. Do you do that? Yeah, I do. I do. Maybe maybe I should be on i on Hello. Maybe I should be on YouTube in addition to iTunes. Yeah, but that's a different subject. Okay, this is about wisdom, and it is about the wisdom of technology in our lives, and I'm just going to use myself as an example, as I am wont to do, because, well, picking on myself is far easier than me picking on you. And besides, I'm not sure that I am qualified enough to pick on you, but I am very qualified to pick on myself. So what prompted today's show was some months ago the late- 2014 27-inch iMac, and this is an iMac that was purchased in late 2014 and was, I won't say top of the line, but pretty close to it. Now, let me give you some backstory about me and computers, particularly Apple computers. I purchased the very first Apple computer in 1984. Go and Google uh, Apple TV commercial, 1984, and you'll see some pretty genius creativity that was done by Steve Jobs and the Apple team to promote the introduction of the very first Macintosh. Now, the very first Macintosh was this little small square robot-looking kind of a thing. had a really small screen. It was grayscale. I mean, no, it wasn't color. It had a single micro floppy drive. Yes, we got away from the five and a quarter inch floppy drives. Yes, kids, there were those. And we had the little three, three and a quarter inch, whatever it was, micro floppy drive. It was encased in a harder plastic case, unlike the floppy floppy drives. Had one of those. It had no hard drive in it at all, like zero. Zero. So yeah, you, you had to put the program dry, you had to put the program disk in and run the program. And then if you had data, like if you were doing a spreadsheet with Lotus or something, this is before Excel, uh, then you had to put in a storage, a separate disk, had to eject that one, put in another disk to save your work. Now if you had really big box, you could buy an extra floppy drive so you could have two drives. You know what this means, kids? This means you can have your program running and you can save the data simultaneously. It was a great thing. $3,500 got you the very first Macintosh, as I have described. And, and, no, it didn't get you the second drive. That would cost you extra. But it did get you the Apple Image Writer, a dot matrix printer that was the cat's meow. Laser printers? We hadn't heard of laser printers. We didn't know what a laser printer was. Are you kidding me? But this thing was magnificent. Oh, yes, it would take tractor fed paper, but it would also take regular paper. It was quite cool. <clears throat> a mere $3,500. I go in the Apple store the other day and people are looking at these new laptops and yes, they have a a reasonably high price tag. The apples do. And as I'm waiting for somebody to come and help me, I'm in the queue, as they say, a person is talking to another Apple employee and they're kind of lamenting it, man, how expensive this thing is. And I'm thinking to myself, it's less than I spent in 1984. And it is so much more, so much more machine, but I get it. Technology has come down mostly in price. And if it hasn't come down in price, then the technology has, well, it's over delivering compared to what it once did. So that was my beginning with Apple computers and cell phones. Yeah, it was the Motorola flip phone. It was the Nokia. It was this, it was that until Apple decided to get into the fray. And from that time forward, I have been an Apple iPhone user. I am a fan of the Apple ecosystem. Yes, I like the products. I like the user interface. They're friendly. They're intuitive. I I am a fanboy, as they say. I don't know who got that f- phrase started, but I like the ecosystem. So I've got Thousands and thousands of CDs loaded into my Apple Music, iTunes, into my Apple Music on my computer. All of that is on a separate hard drive. I think it's a four-terabyte external hard drive. And it is backed up, by the way, not only to the cloud, but it is backed up to another drive. And the great thing is I can have that in my Apple Music And I can access that anywhere I want from my phone because of this thing that Apple has called music match or something to that effect, 25 bucks a year. And I can access anything. I don't have to take up disk space on my phone. I don't have to download music to my phone. If I upload something, if I burn a CD into my Apple iTunes, or if I download new music into that, It syncs, and it shows up on my phone almost instantaneously. A very cool thing. Apple Notes, uh, Google Calendars. And I am, as I said, in this Apple ecosystem, and I use a calendar called Fantastical. And if you don't use Fantastical, let me give a major shout-out. You should check it out. Fantastical. Now, I have half a dozen different calendars that I keep track of. I keep track of various podcasts. I keep track of uh shows that I do with co-host and various upcoming recording sessions that we have scheduled as well as the release the publications and which episode is going to go live on which dates. Um so I've got a number of calendars that I operate. And again, and Fantastical is a paid app, but it goes across all the platforms. So I have it on my iPad. I have it on my desktop. I have it on my phone. Uh, it all syncs perfectly. It works great. Yeah. So there's that. So I love the ecosystem and then there's notes, right? So you've got all of this stuff that you can sync, uh, your photos, You're, you're just, if you've got an Apple Mac and you've got an iPhone, everything is just in your life is just pretty seamless. And I need more seamlessness in my life. So there's that. Well, what set me down this trajectory of talking about tech is the iMac. As I began this conversation, the 27 inch late 2014 iMac. Uh, for those of you that care, this is an i7, which was top of the line at the time, I believe. I don't think the i9 was available. I could be wrong. But this is an i7. Uh, It has a lot of RAM. I don't know. 32 seems to me. Has a single terabyte fusion drive. Now, the fusion drive had a little bit of solid state drive, not much. And then mostly the, you know, the spinning plates, which is the way old hard drives work and great. Terrific operated perfectly fine. And long, long ago I took as much as I could off of the main hard drive in the unit because it's a single terabyte and I've got multi terabyte drives attached to it that I mostly used to store virtually everything. But, Applications. Applications take up space and I'm like most people. Yeah, I've got too many apps. I've got applications that I don't use, but I'm like, yeah, but I've got them. I hate to hate to ditch them. I've got apps that I don't think I've ever used. Do you have do you have a problem that I've got in not being able to throw away apps on your computer? And i I even am guilty of this on my phone. I've got apps on my phone that I don't use. I've got apps on my phone that I haven't used. And I still don't delete them. That's one thing if you paid for them. But if, if they're free, I, why wouldn't you delete these? So I'm going through and I'm systematically trying to eliminate those. Well, the hard drive on the 27-inch iMac was getting full. And I kept thinking, I don't understand. I'm not storing anything on this. And the drive was getting slow. It wasn't making noise, but I thought, uh-oh, this is not a good sign. Now, everything is backed up. I've got redundancy in the backups, which means I've got a backup, and then i got another backup. So I wasn't worried about anything going awry and losing anything, but it was vexing because, well, I was not able to. Even audio editing got cumbersome. And if you know anything about audio or video editing, video editing is significantly tougher on hardware and software. Just, it just demands a whole lot more oomph behind the technology. I was just doing audio stuff, which is not, shouldn't be that taxing, but I was beginning to experience glitches in audio and I thought, well, this isn't good. So I set about to clean up the drive, which I did with great regularity, but I'm like, I don't understand why this thing is getting crowded. I'm not saving anything to this drive. I haven't uploaded any new software. Well, come to find out I've got all these video projects and guess what? These video projects are being housed in files that are on the hard drive of the main machine clogging up the works. So I go in and I delete probably 200 gigabytes of stuff. Once I figured this out, I didn't know this. Once I figured this out, I go in and I'm deleting all this stuff. And now I've got a little bit of bandwidth. I've got some headroom in this one terabyte drive, but it's still very sluggish, very, very sluggish. Now the 27-inch iMac, the one that I've got, If you are going to access anything inside it, if you, if you want to replace the hard drive, for instance, which was a thought, uh, it requires great dismantling of the machine. It means that you have got to basically get a razor blade and go around the edge of the glass and you've got to take the screen out. You've got to detach that electronically, carefully, and, then you got to go noodling around with the guts of the machine. And then you got to put a new gasket around where the glass screen is going to go back on and you got to put it all back together again. I'm like, I don't think I want to do that. In fact, I know I don't want to do that. So I said about, what about if I were to get a solid state drive and what if I were to use that as an external drive and made that my boot up drive. In other words, that would be the drive that the computer would recognize as being the hard drive that runs the whole machine. Could I do that? So I researched, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos. I read a bunch of blog posts and yes, you can do that. And I was given all kinds of advice, uh, directly and indirectly. Um, yes, do this. Don't do that. Don't do this, do this other. And some of the advice was very conflicting. And I thought, okay, forget it. Not going to do that. So I'm pricing the new MacBook Pro. I will warn you, if you are an Apple person and you have an older Mac, don't go banging around on the new ones. Just stay away from an Apple store. Stay away from any place that carries Apple products. Don't even touch the keyboard because if you do, you're going to want one. Uh, These things are blindingly fast. They're insanely fast and, um, not cheap, not cheap, not as pricey as what I first spent in 1984, but still expensive. And I, I just, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't need to make that kind of an investment right now. I just need to, if I can get another year or so out of this machine now I'm going on eight years with this machine. And I will tell you that in my experience with Apple products, including laptops, my average time spent before retiring a computer, well, this is true of cell phones too, is seven years. Seven years. I have never had, okay, the first, app, the first Mac doesn't count in 1984, but in modern history, I have squeezed at least seven years. Out of every Apple laptop, desktop, and cell phone, I just updated to an Apple i13, an Apple, uh, hello, iPhone 13 mini. This is a great, this is a great phone, by the way. I love the, I like being able to hold a phone in one hand and use my thumb. You know, we all thought, oh, big screen, man, this will be great. You know, give me that. Okay, problem. It, it doesn't fit in your pocket nicely. It's, it's cumbersome. You know, the screen real estate is great, but yeah, for portability, it's not the greatest for me. It wasn't the greatest experience. I went from an Apple iPhone 6 Plus. Not a 6S, a 6 Plus. I mean, this phone was seven, eight years old. And was starting to give me problems and I needed to retire it. So I went with the 13 mini, which I highly, highly recommend blazingly quick, you know, talk about, I mean, it made me just feel like, okay, well I've been living in the slow lane all this time. So that, that was the first technology update over the last six months or so. So back to the iMac, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, man, I've got to figure out a way to get around this because I was basically stuck. I was, I mean, it was shutting down all of my workflow. So I bought, he's grabbing the box here. I bought a Samsung 870 Evo. This is a two terabyte internal hard drive. Samsung SSD 870 Evo, two terabyte. I spent two hundred and some odd dollars for this little drive. Then I bought a case. Now it's an internal drive. Remember, I told you I'm not taking my screen apart. I'm not taking this computer apart. So wait, how are you going to use an internal drive? Well, you can put that internal drive into an enclosure. So I bought an enclosure, a USB 3.0 enclosure for 20 bucks. I put the drive in the enclosure, which is a plug and play kind of a thing. I plug it into the computer. And then I set about to clone the hard drive that's in the computer, which means the operating system, everything. And then I go into the settings of the computer and I say, Here's the, here's the disc that I want you to recognize as the startup disc. I want you to recognize this SSD drive. Don't recognize the drive in the computer, recognize this new drive. And I was done. Okay. Now, yeah, that all took 12 hours plus, right? A lot of data that's got to be transferred to this new drive. And that, that took the majority of the time. And this is USB kids. This is not the fastest connection on the planet. And I boot this thing up from the SSD drive and it's like a new machine. And I'm like, well, some people had said it'll be like a new machine. Well, I'm like, well, that's pretty brassy. Shut your mouth. They're right. They're right. It's terrific. I've now got over one terabyte of Headroom space, which I really won't need, but it's there. I launch, I was accustomed to launching email, and you could put a stop clock on it, but you really wouldn't need to. Just look at the hands on the clock on the wall, you know, because it would be minutes, literally minutes, two to three minutes, in some cases longer, before the email would pop up on the monitor. No, I click email and it's instantly on the screen. It's terrific. It's awesome. So I was able to not invest crazy money for a brand new computer, spent a few hundred bucks, and I've basically got a brand new computer that I anticipate will certainly last me, the Lord willing, through this calendar year, maybe beyond. And it's great. It's great. So that got me thinking about all the tech inside the yellow studio and I don't have a bunch of new tech. I'm not that guy. I don't do a technical podcast. And while this episode is oddly different, um, if you're still hanging with me, I'm not the guy on YouTube. That's doing the unboxing of some brand new technology. I watch these people and I'm, I'm subscribing to a number of these, these people, I'm not going to name names. And I'm like, they, whatever money they make, they just must pour it back into equipment, which is great. I mean, it means that the YouTube subscribers, you know, the number of eyeballs and ears that they've got can afford them to buy the latest, greatest, coolest, trickiest stuff. But it's like that just (laughs) talk about a hamster on a wheel, man. That just seems like a never ending story. But to each his own, the most recent thing other than the two that I've just given you is the complete dismantling of the yellow studio, which I did some time ago. Thanks to you, maybe you, not all of you, but many of you contributed to help me purchase a Rode, Rodecaster Pro. Uh, So thanks to the listeners of leaning toward wisdom, I was able to buy the roadcaster pro and I got rid of 20 years worth of hardware. I had a complete rack. It was a, it was a, it was set on a desk. It wasn't a floor mounted rack, but it was about an eight, eight slot rack where I had seven pieces of hardware and I was able to get rid of all that and a ton of cabling, and a ton of just stuff. Um, I had to worry about power outages. I had to worry about power spikes. Uh, it, it, It completely changed my life. It additionally changed my life in that it not only made things cleaner, but it made things so much easier. And It's all in one little device here. One little $600 device, which I understand is not a cheap thing, but it's not thousands of dollars either. At the same time, I decided I'm going to get rid of these microphones. The yellow studio had two Heil PR 40 microphones, a rather famous microphone in podcasting, uh, circles and in broadcasting, particularly in ham radio, um, And it morphed into other uses. These are great microphones. I just, I'd had two of them for over 20 years and they were still magnificent and great. And I thought, eh, I'm going to just do something completely different. I was just in a, you ever get in a mood like that? You just kind of in this reboot mode and you're just like, nah, forget it. I'm I'm just going to start over. Yeah. Well, that was, I got in that mood. And so I sold the two microphones and the only thing I kept, the only thing I kept in the yellow studio were the two boom arms also made by Heil, you know, those little, those little scissor kind of boom arms that hold microphones. Uh, I had two of those and I've had two of those for years and years and years. And I kept those, I got rid of the cables I got rid of the microphones. I got rid of all the other equipment. Yeah, I just, I'm like, I'm starting over. I'm just starting over. Now, the great thing about the way I podcast, and I've talked about this to people who have contacted me privately, and I've I've mentioned it a time or two, is I've done some shows on how I podcast. Uh, I use what's called a broadcast workflow. That is, I'm recording this right now. I'm recording it into software on the iMac. The name of the software is Twisted Wave. It is a little two-channel piece of software that's great and terrific. A Frenchman, I think he's in Paris, created this, and it's great, and it's terrific. And I use it, and I'm recording in it right now. And when I get done, I'll hit stop. I will name that file. I will save it and then I will upload it and that will be the extent of it. I won't go back and tweak it. I won't go back and edit it. I won't do anything to it. I'll just, I'll name the file and I will upload it and then I will attach that to the blog post at Leaning Toward Wisdom and I will schedule it to be published and it will go live. And that'll be that. Now that's a very different workflow than people who use a recording workflow. So they will do the exact same thing I'm going to do, but now they're going to go back and they're going to scrub the audio. They're going to go back and they're going to listen for various things and abnormalities and things that they don't want in the recording, and they will eliminate those things. They'll cut those things, and they may want to tweak the sound. They may want the sound to be richer and fuller, and so they will do some processing to the file once they have recorded it. I do none of that. Which is why if I'm on a Zoom call with you or if I live stream to YouTube, I'm going to sound exactly the same as I do right now because I'm not doing anything different. I'm doing the same thing every time I fire up a microphone. So that's a little bit of the tech as far as the podcasting stuff goes. But I got to thinking about just the various tech in our lives, in our cars. And I of all the things that got me on this, I got in the car the other day, my car, which is an older car. It doesn't have many miles on it, but it's an older car. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles. It doesn't have Bluetooth. It doesn't have it doesn't have any display. It doesn't it, it just doesn't have any of the modern stuff. But it does have a button that will show me the temperature inside the car, and I can hit that button and it will show me the air temperature outside the car. Well, I got in and I thought, how cold is it out there? And so I hit that button and it showed me the temperature outside. And that got me thinking about all this tech that's in our cars. You know, now that you come up on the side of a car, you'll see this yellow light on their rear view mirror that will indicate to them, you have a car beside you. And it may be a car that you don't yet see, right? This side car warning kind of a thing. Yeah, I don't have that. Well, I do. They're called my eyes. I have to pay attention. I don't know. I, I, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about all the technology in your car? Uh, Do you love it? I mean, clearly we do. We clearly love, we clearly love all the conveniences and all of the things that these cars will do. Have you ever been let down by it? No, me neither. Well, again, I don't have very much though. I mean, come on. If the outside air temperature thing doesn't work, it's doesn't prevent me from driving the car or being safe in the car. It just means, okay, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to open up dark sky on my iPhone to know how cold it is outside, which is what I'm going to do anyway, which means that button on the car, that's really a stupid feature. I don't even need that feature. What do I have that feature for? Technology, technology in your hand. I look at this computer thing in my hand, and I'm like, there are a few things that I just rely on constantly. Yeah, okay. Other than messaging, messaging is number one. Did you ever think that you would reach a point in your life when you wouldn't use your cell phone to talk, you would use it mostly to text? Did you ever think that would happen? Yeah, me neither. But you know what? I love it. <laughs> I do. I do. I, I, I hardly ever, I hardly ever get a phone call. I get texts constantly, but I just hardly ever get a phone call and it's pretty stinking great. Isn't it not having to talk to people? I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. That's, that's pretty awesome. It's pretty stinking awesome. Dark sky. I mentioned dark sky. Uh, If you don't have dark sky or you're not familiar with it, dark sky is a weather forecasting app. It's great. It's wonderful. You can check radar. You can do, which I don't, but, um, it's, I, I don't fully understand how it is so accurate, but I can tell you that in our part of the world here in North central Texas, it's ridiculously accurate here in the DFW area. The app I'm going to use most when I get in the car is, is Waze, W-A-Z-E. If you don't use Waze, then I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, Now, you could live in some place, and Waze might not be as advantageous. Waze is not only a navigation app, but it is incorporating, at scale, social media, or I should probably say social input, um, which means somebody spots a policeman yeah they can click a button and let you know right here there's a cop and when you're in a metro area as large as dfw there I, I who knows how many people might be on ways at any given time so if a road is closed if there's a traffic jam if there's an accident you are just sure you are just sure to to be notified of it if you are using Waze in a city the size of DFW. So, uh, I don't care if it's a, I know where I'm going. I know how to get there. I'm still going to launch Waze because Waze can say, go this way. Now I had to learn the hard way when Waze says turn right. And you're like, well, I don't normally turn right, right here. Turn right. Just trust Waze. The other great thing about Waze is you can set the voice. Now, you can do this with most of these apps. Uh, The lady who is directing me, who is constantly navigating for me, she is an Australian woman, and I have used her because she's easy to hear and understand. Not all of them are easy to hear and understand when you are driving, especially if you're driving at high speed. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah, Waze also tells you what the current speed limit is and how fast you're going. It's not a very attractive feature, by the way, but it's there. Uh, what else? I'm looking at my app here. Do you stream terrestrial radio? I know it's passe to say that you even listen to terrestrial radio, but I do. There are two stations here that I listen to with great regularity. One is a sports talk station. And the other is not the other is more of a, um, uh, how shall I describe it? It's the music that I, it's music that I like. It happens to be a PBS station. It happens to be public radio. Don't let that fool you. Don't let that fool you. No, it's not public radio when it comes to politics. It's just public radio. When it comes to music, they both have apps and I use both of those apps with great regularity. When I am out and about, I also use the music app. As I have described earlier, Shazam, I use Shazam. If I'm in the car and I'm not streaming and I'm usually not, I'm usually listening on my radio, but I hear a song and I'm like, I know this song, I know this song, who is this? Who is this? Okay. Rather than just rack my brain, trying to figure it out. I hit Shazam. I'll also hit it to record something. Uh, to give me a, a notification of who this is and what this song is. If it's a song that I have not heard before. So Shazam is another app that I use with great regularity on my phone. Uh, other than that, when it comes to consuming content, I have a subscription to the athletic I got a cheap subscription got a dollar a month subscription to the athletic, but I have the athletic app and I will go and I will read the athletic, which is a sports news update kind of a thing. Uh, I will read the athletic on my phone and I do now because of the speed of this new iPhone 13 mini, I didn't push email to my old phone. It was just so slow, so cumbersome. Uh, but on this new phone, I do push certain email accounts to this phone. And so I will use that as well. And other than that, and the calendar app that I mentioned already, fantastical and the camera, that's it. That's it. I don't use, I I, I do use, I sort of say, I couldn't tell you the last time I did any real web browsing on my phone. That's not entirely true. I will access social media through the web. I will not use the apps. I don't know. We could talk about privacy and all that. Do we really care? I think we've proven that we really don't. But I don't have the Facebook app on my phone. I'm not sure if I have Instagram or not. Uh, I don't have Snapchat. I do have Snapchat account, but I don't have it on, on this phone. I don't, I don't use, I'm too old for Snapchat. Um, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking at my, now I've said all of that because all of that is on the home screen. You know how many other screens I've got? Three, four, I've got four screens and then a fifth screen that has two rows. And I've just given you what? Less than eight apps that I use. (laughs) Well, I do use notes. I told you that already though. I use notes. So I use the calendar and I use notes a lot. So that's the technology on the phone that I use here inside the yellow studio, as well as outside the yellow studio streaming TV. You into that? You still got cable. You got some satellite thing. Oh, come on. You got to join the cool kids, man. All the cool kids stream live. I am a YouTube TV subscriber, but like all the rest of you, I mean, we've got so many services, so much that we, you know, we've got the Hulu, the Disney plus the ESPN plus kind of a deal. You got Netflix, you got Amazon prime. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. That search feature. Probably one of the best things is you can start watching something and two days go by and you can't remember what platform it was on. You ever do this? We have been watching this Canadian series called Cardinal. His name is John Cardinal. He's the main character. He is a detective. It's a pretty good series. Uh, Season one was in 2017. I'm not sure how many seasons there are. It's on Hulu, so we're watching this. Two days go by, we we when we just started, and I'm like, I what was that on? You know, so Rhonda's making a guess, and I'm going over there and looking. I'm like, nope, that ain't it. Okay, well this, okay, I'm, nope, that ain't it either. You know, finally, you just have to go into the search feature. I have Roku. I use Roku for the uh, managing all of this stuff. I go into the Roku app and I'm searching because I don't remember. You know where that's the That's one of the downsides to streaming. You watch one thing on one platform, something else on a different platform, and it gets hard to keep track of it. The other thing is the instantaneous. This is the one that drives Rhonda crazy. I've kind of gotten past it, and that's just the getting to it as opposed to just entering the channel number and going straight to it. Now it's the scroll, and so now the, the interface matters. Well, the YouTube interface is is pretty good. It's pretty good. Now you can go in, you can customize all the you can customize all the stuff. I don't I don't I haven't taken the time to do any of that. Don't care. Hasn't hasn't bothered me in the least. The one thing I haven't done in the yellow studio that I would like to do is upgrade the video. But I just don't do enough video except over at Hot Springs Village inside out, the other podcast that I started seven or eight months ago about hot springs arkansas of all places that show is done using video and we do it on zoom and i have no gripes with zoom at all i use zoom for work and so that was why we did it Uh, other people have pitched me riverside and Streamyard and all kinds of stuff i just i don't know i haven't i haven't upped my video game uh, because i'm i look better in 240 i don't I the 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 higher the resolution, the worse I look. So there's that. But I have not upped my video game. I'm using a webcam that is an old Logitech. It still is perfectly good. It's just not it's not great. But you know, now you got people and they're using digital SLR cameras with HDMIs and they've got video switching and I do I do kind of crave all that. I just Absolutely don't need it. It would be rage overkill for me. I would like to have a little nicer webcam, but I don't know that I don't know that I could get a much nicer little webcam. I mean, I could spend more money, but I look at them and I'm like, ah, you know, I don't understand why we can't get a webcam. this This is a technological thing that fascinates me like so many things, because I just don't understand it. So I've got this little iPhone. 13. Now it's got great cameras. It's not like the pro, um, which has other photo features that this one does, but the video is ridiculously good. The camera is ridiculously good at taking still photos. So we can do that in a mobile device. Why can't we do that in a computer? Why can't we do that in a laptop or a desktop? is there a reason that, is there something I'm missing here? I I don't, I don't understand. I, I do get that if you're on a phone, you're likely going to use that feature way more than if you were on a laptop or whatnot, but I, I don't know. I mean, how much more would it be? I've got a webcam in this late 2014, 27 inch iMac. And if you use the built-in webcam, it's just horrific it's not good at all i've got a little at the time it was probably a 70 dollar webcam that just blows it away uh, but it takes up a usb port and i'm like and i don't use it for audio i just use it for video because i'm i'm running all the audio through the roadcaster uh i i've never understood that the new ones are better the little new macbook pros they are that webcam is is definitely better is it as good as my iPhone 13 hey boy it doesn't it doesn't look anywhere close and i don't i don't get that i don't get that but there's a lot i don't get the technology is getting increasingly more difficult to keep up with and i'm a guy who pretty much does keep up with it i don't keep up with technology just to keep up with technology i keep up with the technology that i have and that i need to get the job done. For me, it's means to an end. It's more the tool for me. Um, I was a gearhead when it came to collecting equipment that would make the sound good because I was an audio snob. I'm still an audio snob, uh, but with the roadcaster, those days are gone. A buddy bought one and we're on the phone kind of walking him through some stuff. And I said, now you can go in and you can tweak all this stuff. I mean, everything in this thing, you can, you can, you can tweak to your heart's content. I don't, I just let the thing. I just click the auto and let it do its thing, but you could tweak it. If you want to twist and tweak, man, you can twist and tweak. I just not my, those days are over for me. I'm just about ease of use and getting the job done and saving time and There's the rub for me when it comes to tech, and there's the wisdom for me when it comes to tech, is when the tech fails you, when the tech begins to break down, when the tech gets in the way, just frustrates the snot out of me, which is what started this whole conversation. And it's why with about $270 all in, I was able to bring my 27-inch, 7 to 8 year old iMac back to life. Who to thunk it? Who to thunk it? Maybe the greatest technology of all, you know, is YouTube. It's YouTube. How many things have you done? How many repairs have you made? How many projects have you done because you went on YouTube and you saw somebody show you how to do it? Is that not great or what? It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I know YouTube, they're Google owned and they got, Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. But isn't it great? It's a great time to be alive. Well, it's always a great time to be alive. So there's that. Leaning toward wisdom, I don't know that we lean toward it very much, but maybe we did. I told you it was going to be a different episode. I warned you. If you stuck with it up till now, well, kudos to you. I appreciate you. There is technology that I miss. I know vinyl records. I read somewhere the other day that vinyl record sales accounted for half of purchased music. Of course, you know the real rub to that. Yeah, people aren't buying music. That's the rub to that. I do miss vinyl. I miss old analog hi-fi equipment. The old tube-based amplifiers and preamplifiers. But we just don't use it anymore. Books. Physical books. Yeah, I'm like you. I buy Kindle but I miss physical books. I miss the paper. I think about Joe Walsh. He recorded an album some years ago, Analog Man. He's an analog man in a digital world, and there are times that I feel the same because I love notebooks and pens, writing in longhand. It's tech, and I love it. LeaningTowardWisdom.com is the website. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio.